You're listening to a podcast on Catholic Saints. This podcast is produced by the Augustan Institute, an apostolate helping Catholics understand, live, and share their faith. Welcome to Forum Now. I'm Dr. Elizabeth Klein, and I'm here with Dr. Jessica Murdoch. Uh, we're both professors here and teach at the Augustan Institute. We're here doing our series on holy women you've never heard of. So we've gathered some of our favorite female saints from throughout the tradition who you might not know about. And so we're hoping you can meet some new holy friends in the course of this series. This episode is on St. Bridget of Sweden, who unsurprisingly is from Sweden. She <laughs> lived from 1303 to 1373, so in the late Middle Ages. Uh, so unsurprisingly, given our specialties, Dr. Murdoch studies more medieval theology. I do more patristic theology. So this medieval saint was uh, picked by Dr. Murdoch. So I'll let her kick it off with, tell us a little bit about Bridget. Well, Bridget was born to a ro royal family. And as you might suspect, they were landowners. Her father was governor and provincial judge of Upland. So she, can't, she comes from a very pious family that already included a saint, St. Ingrid, as a relative. So she was raised like firmly in Christian piety. She was shown to be a religious prodigy in her childhood. At the age of 10, she is said to have had a vision of our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, where he comes to her as a, in, a, in a crucified form and says, look at me, my daughter. And she looks at him and she says, who's treated you like this? And our Lord goes on to tell her that it's those who refuse his love. So this is really like a formative uh, episode uh, in her childhood. She was married at the young age of 13 to, uh, to her 18-year-old husband, Prince uh, Ulfo, of Sweden, who was also a pious Christian, and their happy marriage produced eight children, including another saint, Saint Catherine of Sweden. This is like this has been a common theme in our in yes, our holy has. women. It seems like holy women have a habit of creating holy families. So yes, it's a good yes. lesson. Okay. So what happened after that? So she was known for her saintly life and charity to the poor. Her reputation was widely known, and because she was part of a noble family, she was able to exercise great influence over the theologians of the day, and later even of the king. After some time, Bridget and Ulfo separated by mutual consent, uh, obviously after the eight children, so that Ulfo could enter uh, the Cistercian order. So is this like after their children have kind of grown up and they're living their own lives and they become I think part? that's unclear, but okay. probably when they're older. I okay. mean, sometimes, um, you know, medieval women uh, might have other people help them raise the children so that right. they could, you know, live that life of piety, um, even when they're young, actually. Right. Um, but Bridget, for her part, founded a new order, the Order of St. Savior, which is known today as the Brigantines. Okay, so it named after her. Okay, so after she enters the monastic life then, um, do we have any other stories about her kind of yes. life after Yes, well, she started to have uh, more and more visions. Uh, her husband died in 1344 uh, on a pilgrimage to Santiago de Compostela, uh, and... After that, it seems that she really picked up as a visionary. Many of her visions urged her to intervene for the cause of Christ and for the church in the day. It was the time of the Abingham Papacy. Mm -hmm. And so uh, she was called to intervene with the important personages of the day. She also received a vision to go to the Holy Land on pilgrimage. Uh, so that's another theme of this mm -hmm. series is pilgrimages, uh, where Christ gave her a particular uh, intimate understanding of his own passion uh, in the Holy Land. So it's said that her monastery actually was the center of church renewal at the time, uh, and that she even uh, urged uh, the Pope personally 
to return from Avignon to Rome. Okay, so she's like the lesser known Catherine of Siena. She's so much like she, Catherine of Siena. But she went in person. She did go in person. <laughs> after well, there had, were times that seen Catherine after she had in person kids. too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's really it's really interesting that you bring up the the theme of pilgrimage um, and how that plays into the lives of the saints because often I think when we think of going on pilgrimage, we think of it as like basically a lot of fun. It's like you go with the priest, they're raising money, you're going to the Holy Land, you stay in a nice hotel. Uh, but of course, in the past, pilgrimage was often undertaken uh, even under orders as a penance mm-hmm. um, because it was very dangerous and yes. you often had to make great personal sacrifice. You maybe didn't have enough money or food to get the whole way. You didn't know how you were going to get there. And as an example of her husband dying on on pilgrimage, uh, this was really a very, this is very serious undertaking yes. um, to, to travel these distances in order to sort of like pay homage. And I, I mean... It'd be hard for us to kind of like recreate that, I suppose. I mean, I think there are some orders who do like poverty pilgrimages and things. Uh, but maybe maybe it is just something to keep in mind out of out of gratitude that we're able to visit these holy places yes. and venerate them without those easily kinds, with, easily without those kinds of risks. Uh, and that, you know, those journeys can be um, an opportunity for penance, as in the story with Mary of Egypt, who undertook her kind of like, anti-pilgrimage right but it ended up still being this kind of like penitential process which which is very interesting and also maybe you could say a little more about i think it's unfamiliar for people today to think about somebody having like two vocations yeah like they're they have a they have i mean when you're married at 13 right you have eight children you may be done having children by the time you're 30 yeah and now we don't start having children until 30 right right uh but then and then having this like almost totally like second life. So can you say a little more right, about that? Right. I think it really shows that St. Bridget was wholly at the disposal of Christ. She really sort of surrendered herself to wherever uh, God wanted her to be and what God wanted her to be doing at a given time. When she was uh, focused on her own household and her motherhood, she gave herself entirely to that. She raised eight children in a, a pious household, one, again, who was herself a saint. Uh, and then when her husband asked to be sort of released from uh, living at home so that he could go into the Cistercian order, again, she offers herself up wholly to God and, and does likewise. So again, we still have that sense of holy example in the family that we've been talking about in this series. And then we have the total surrender. Yes, I'll do this. I'm going to start this religious order. But then she doesn't even stop there. Mm-hmm. So then even over against that, she she enters into the life of the church uh, in these very, very difficult times. She's really right. amazing. Which can be, I mean, that can be sacrificial in and of itself when you undertake a monastic life and then you're kind of pulled back into the world. Often that feels very sacrificial. I really love how you emphasize that her kind of responding to what God was asking her at any given time. Because I think nowadays in the church, we sometimes have a very simplistic understanding mm-hmm. of what a vocation is. Like, we're discerning our vocation as if God only ever makes one call of us and never makes any further calls, right? Vocation being a call. When in reality, there are many saints mm-hmm. who live out multiple vocations at different stages, and it's often very complicated. Mm-hmm. I mean, for us to look at a, a married couple like parting to live a monastic life, like I wouldn't say it's quite scandalous to us, but it's very mm-hmm. unusual. Whereas I don't think it's ne- was necessarily that unusual. No, it's actually much more common in the Middle Ages than you'd think. And and also something that was common in the Middle Ages, very similar, is um, widows would yes. often enter monastic life. We mentioned that with a little bit with St. Macrina, 
that like uh, in Bridget's time, women were often married to men that were older. That were much older. Mm-hmm. So if you're 13 and you're married to an eight, a man who's five, you're six, going to be widowed. Seven, you're going to be widowed. You're going to be without your husband much much earlier in life. Uh, and this often becomes a time when you're called by God to do something else. And although, thankfully, by the grace of God, most of us don't experience that now. We're not don't have that gap, and you know we have. Uh, modern medicine and lots of wonderful things. We don't mm-hmm. die going on pilgrimages. Uh, we still we still have different phases of our lives. Yes. You know, we have, you, there's always going to be a time in your life before you're married or mm-hmm. religious, but that doesn't mean you have no vocation, right? You have, your, you have your baptismal vocation. You have calls by God to make right. these daily sacrifices to respond to him. And at the same time, they don't all happen at once. <laughs> right. You know, we sort of see a kind of progressive uh, vocation over time right. in St. Bridget. She wasn't simultaneously uh, burying her children and and praying the and, hours. Yeah, praying the hours, <laughs> running a monastery, and advising the Pope all at one time either. Right. You know? And so, yeah, and so sometimes we can feel, I don't know, at loss at certain transition periods in our lives where, you know, maybe our children grow up and leave home and then it's like, well, where'd my vocation go? They just walked out the door and now they're in college. How do right. I live out my vocation <laughs> or whatever? Uh, that God, God, you have to always be open to the continued calling of God. And you right. don't know, you don't know where that call will lead. I mean, certainly as a 13-year-old girl, you have no idea that you're going to be called to have eight children. And then right. after that, depart from your husband, be widowed, found a monastic order, right. uh, and then be called to like, you know, intervene or worry yeah. about incredibly complicated <laughs> church politics. Right. And, and so, I think even, you know, her being involved in the complicated church politics is I think she shows us that, you know, to be Christian is to be a part of the times in which we live Mm -hmm. and to respond sort of with the heart of Christ to uh, the very times in which we are are living and moving. There are specific issues of our day that we need to respond to, that God's giving us insight uh, and grace to respond to. And I think she's a wonderful model of that as well. Yeah, it can be very, it can be very difficult to, like, live in the moments kind of trite, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but... Uh, it can be it can be difficult to we continue to open be open to those promptings of the Holy Spirit and to what God's asking us to do and to deal with problems in our family or in our day that are kind of that kind of right there that we'd rather ignore mm-hmm. or rather not have an active participation in. But right. you know you know you never know kind of uh, what you're going to be what you're going to be called to do. And so you were saying to me before that she's kind of like a combo of St. Catherine of Siena and Zaley Martin, like all in, all in one saint. Uh, <laughs> and so she's, she's a very, she's a very cool saint. And she also, you mentioned her visions and these are, no, these are no like kind of low grade writings. These mm-hmm. are, this is, there are long, there are long writings, uh, Bridget of Sweden. I, I mean, I read them at one point in graduate school. I, I don't remember them that well. There was angels and maybe ladders and, <laughs> but, mm-hmm. uh, but to think about, that mystical side too um that we all know of course that prayer and communion with god is is where the fruit of our efforts comes from and it's where sort of the holiness of our life comes from uh it can be easy to forget that that's true even of a saint Mm -hmm. who was so busy who did all these things but also clearly had a very deep spiritual life and a deep communion with god together the active and the contemplative life yeah out of all where all these things of these things are flowing so I hope you enjoyed learning about Bridget of Sweden. If you want to know more about her, there are definitely biographies out there. You can go read uh, the book of Bridget's visions. Uh, But I hope you found a new holy friend in her, someone to help you contemplate your vocation, whether you're 
uh, single, married, or have grown-up children, or are out in the world, she pretty much covers uh, all the bases and has something for everyone to think about. Uh, and so we'll close this by asking for her intercession. St. Bridget, pray for us. Pray for us. You can watch these interviews in video format by visiting form.org. Formed is an online Catholic streaming service created by the Augustan Institute and Ignatius Press with award-winning studies and parish programs, inspiring audio content, movies, eBooks, and family-friendly kids programming. To support the mission of the Augustan Institute, please visit missioncircle.org.